Hello, I'm Alex Zetrovich and this is the Vintners Podcast. This podcast is brought to you thanks to the support of Vintners.co, a global digital platform designed to improve the trade between craft wine producers, their importers and distributors, up to restaurants and retailers and end consumers. Vintners has built a modular, powerful platform that can help many in the wine trade to better share and sell their wines. From its marketplace, Vintners.co, to its online shopping solutions, Vintners.shop and its core inventory management system, Fitners can help all of us in this industry to spend more time on speaking about wine and sharing stories, less time managing tedious and repetitive tasks when it comes to selling it. If you're in the business of selling wine and curious about Vitners, please be sure to shoot an email at info at vintners.co. Again, that's info at vitners.co. This time I interviewed Teresa Olkus of the VDP which is an association of more than 200 wineries in Germany that promotes binding quality standards across its organization. And now please welcome Teresa Olkus. Hi, Teresa. Welcome to the Witness Podcast. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. Uh, why don't we dive right in and uh, we start with a little introduction of yourself, if you can tell us how mm-hmm. you got into wine and how you uh, got into the VDP uh, well, like many of us in uh, the wine world, I grew up with wine back home. Um, back home means in Markelsheim, a small village in the north of Württemberg, um, located in a region which is called Taubertal. Um, I don't know if you have heard of it. Have you? No, I have not. No. Okay. Um, yeah, so it is in the middle of, um, or you can say that's where three wine growing regions out of 13 in Germany meet, uh, Franconia, Baden and Württemberg. And Württemberg is in the middle of it. And that's where my hometown is located and where my parents own vineyards. Um, yeah, so I grew, grew That is in the state of Bavaria? No, it is in the state of Baden-Württemberg. Okay. But it's close to the Bavarian border. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so it, and for from its grape varieties, um, it is also more Franconian, I'd say. So um, there's um, mostly Silvana, Müller-Turgau, uh, Spätburgunder, Bacchus, and so on. So not really those typical grape varieties that you would know from Württemberg, like Lemberger, Trollinger, and so on. Um, so it is Württemberg, but unusual for Württemberg. It's more Franconian. Um, yeah, but that's all because the borders, um, uh, how to say, it's um, the, all the regions are really close to each other and they form another single region, which is called Talbertal. Yeah, but unfortunately, not many people know it. It has one um, specific grape variety. It's called Tauberschwarz, um, where only 14 hectares exist uh, worldwide. Um, yeah, that's what it's most popular for, I'd say. Okay, so basically you were born into wine in a in a way. In a way, yes, but more on the vineyard side, not on the cellar side. That was the one uh, which was a bit missing. Um, my parents say only um, they produce grapes and they give it to a cooperative in, in my hometown. And my father was working... Um, since he was, I don't know, 17 or 18 in the cooperative uh, on a financial side. But uh, still, I mean, that's how I grew up, him working there. Um, my parents bringing vineyards into the family from their families. And my whole 
relatives they all own vineyards so um yeah it's a it's a thing <laughs> in my family um so i um it was a topic for me but i did not know that i'm going to end up in a wine job later um and also as i said the seller side was missing that's why i did an internship in south africa later to spend one harvest there in the cellar but um yeah um where in south all, africa just out of I, which cellar um which winery cellar of lamashuk it's okay. um it's a winery uh in the swartland and, and actually their neighbor is from even sadi so um and there was one famous uh german football not football soccer player um franz beckenbauer uh who owned the winery back then and he knew someone from vinum a wine magazine a person that i knew and he yeah kind of like you know he he introduced me <laughs> there so i got the internship um but Wait, it was great you know, you I, know franz beckenbauer no 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 i haven't met him <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> no i haven't met him so i did not know him or I I don't know him, but uh, I was working um, at his winery. Yeah. Okay. Um, my, and my, that's when I first got into. Huh? What do you? My my dad would find that very fascinating. He was a big fan of Beckenbauer. Yeah, we had a cuvier um, called after him. It was called Libero Number no. Five, a red wine uh, cuvier, and I I think it must be still existing there. Okay, and then from. The, uh, the the family background and uh, internship in South Africa, you got back to Germany and you started working for the VDP while finishing your studies, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I studied uh, communication science and media research um, in Stuttgart. And um, during my master, I was thinking, okay, now I really have to know uh, what to do after my studies. And I did two internships. One was in Berlin for three months. Um, I was working in a, a, how do you say, consulting agency um, doing political communication, because that was mostly what my studies um, were about. Okay. Um, and the other three months I spent in South Africa, but... Um, yeah, and after that, I was hoping that I find out uh, what I want to do. And yeah, after that, I knew um, it must be wine. Now, now I have kind of both politics and wine, uh, which is great. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's how I, you ended I, up at VDP. It's politics. I ended up. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> it's how do you say? Um, um, yeah, it fits together. I say. I say it's also politics. No, now now it all makes sense to me. Um, yeah, <laughs> and but, but uh, you kind of quickly became the—I don't want to say the big boss, but like you—you kind of like became the the head of the VDP from the marketing side, correct? Yeah. So we, um, I think there are two sides. There is one side, um, the the board, so really the members, and they um, and the. A uh, person who's standing for uh, their region and um, or her his uh, region, um, and they form form the board. And 
the head of the board is the president, uh, Stefan Christmann uh, from Files right now, or since more than 18 years, I think. Um, so there the decision-making process is taking place. And then in Mainz, there's the head office, uh, which is organizing all the events, who's doing all the uh, communication. Uh, of course, also the political um, yeah, discussions. Um, <laughs> And and um, yeah, all the, the the brand stuff, also marketing, um, yeah, everything that is happening. I'd say in the back office, and sometimes maybe is yeah um, more visible. Sometimes um, sometimes not, but mostly uh, people know um, like you, the BDP from its events, and yeah, as a brand on the bottle, of course. Well, that actually leads me to uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the VDP because it, it is a historical organization and it's mm -hmm. been uh, in existence for a while now, I would say. Yeah, a while, since <laughs> 1910. That's um, the year when it was founded. Um, and today we have 200 members. Um, so uh, estates all over Germany, I'd say. So nearly in all 13 wine growing regions, we don't have a member at Hessische Bergstraße okay. yet, you could say, or we don't have right now a member there, but we have um, Kloster Eberbach in Rheingau that has uh, vineyards in Hessische right. Bergstraße. So yeah, kind of we have regional associations as well. And um, yeah, they form the national organization BDP um, that has 200 members and they are all really different but they have the same aim to produce top quality wines and to have the origin of a vineyard in the center um, and yeah who are in a big responsibility for German wine in total I'd say and um, yeah for our 200 members we form platforms either in communication terms, but also um, with events like, for example, the VDP Weinbörse in April, uh, big booth on ProVine in Dusseldorf, but also the GG sneak preview tasting, uh, where mostly you are also our guests uh, in, no, uh, in the end of August before the GGs hit the market uh, on September the 1st. Yeah. Um so what is kind of like the the philosophy i know that at the beginning um i i think it it even stands in the name and and you know my mm -hmm. german is is really bad but basically means like natural wine which of course now when we talk about natural wine we mean something else but back then it was it was uh natural wine meaning the wines weren't capitalized correct or like yeah, an authentic wine, uh, not influenced by any other uh, things, but having origin in the center. And that's also um, what it is about today, I'd say. And it was founded, as you were saying, as not VDP, that stands for Verband Deutsche Prädikatsweingüter today, um, but VDNV, VDNV, Verband Deutsche Naturweinversteigerer, which means Association of Natural Wine Auctioneers back then um yeah and even if natural wine today i'd say has a big or, or a bit another um uh, definition um it still exists in the idea of the wines that our members produce right so um 
a lot of producers, I think, I think in my opinion, what VDP is kind of is, is a member group of people who are really thriving for, for highest quality out of their yes. groups. And uh, yeah. Okay. So, so I, I, I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you got that absolutely right. Um, I, and especially in times when uh, German wine was known, I mean, especially in the US, um, known to be sweet and cheap. Um, it was really um, a movement, uh, I'd say, not against, but but um, to show the world what German wine is about, what makes it special, um, that there are and can be dry wines. Um, and also, I mean, um, with the wine law in 1971, when they enlarged all the um, the, the sites, um, the VDP, um, yeah, started to classify vineyards and really bring that um, that origin wines and um, yeah heritage back to its old um, how to say uh, uh, glance uh, uh, shine to bring shine. Thank you <laughs> to its old shine. Yeah. Um. That that being said, um, I mean, since 1910 until now, there's been a lot of changes uh, in the market and uh, wine style. And of course, I think think with uh, the the biggest change, which is the climate, um, German wine has has really changed changed itself from you know, let's say when you taste wines from the 70s and 80s, and now I think there's a huge difference. And when you speak to the growers. A lot of them would say that it's much easier nowadays to have a good vintage. Well, not easier to have a good vintage, but good vintages, warm vintages, ripening grapes is much easier than it was back in the 80s. I think when when I yeah. first visited uh, JJ Prum, um, they told me like in the 80s, they only had two or three good vintages or something like this. Um, that all being said, uh, what are kind of like the new trends of, of VDP following all the changes that have happen within the market within the consumers with the climate and and all that i mean obviously one of them is is uh, the dry wines um but maybe there is also something else that i'm missing out on the one hand i'd say that um the vdp is not striving for trends um the idea kind of is the same um as in the beginning but at the same time what also i think is really important and what makes um a big point for me as a motivation to work for it is that um the vdp and its members is always open um to to reinvent themselves to ask if they're still on the on the right path and also to include external um, how to say external um, impressions and ideas um, yeah uh, inside the VDP and um, of course today it is sustainability of course many members um, think a lot about uh, how to uh, treat their vineyards to to make them uh, be able or to to yeah, also be able to give them to the next generations. And um, I'd say for an association, which is more than 110 years old, um, it is never tired to reinvent um, itself and also to ask, um, yeah, 
did we do everything right? And that's what I like about it. It would be so boring if they'd say, no, everything has to stay the same all the time and never is going to change. Um, I think uh, the world is changing a lot. That's also why you always um, have to ask yourself, um, uh, are these the right values? And um, the last years and decades, I think we made big, big steps forward. For example, in 21, uh, all 200 members decided to be certified um, sustainable until 25. We're working on lighter bottles and everything to um, also like with, um, I mean, we often see that high quality wines have to kind of be bottled in, in, uh, um, in, how do you say it? <laughs> in bottles that aren't sustainable. No, no, no. But also, they weigh more. Right, right. Heavier bottles. Yes, yes. you always see um, uh, top quality wines in heavier bottles. At least I recognize that. And yeah. to, um, yeah, to show that it's possible. Also, in another way, we're thinking about um, how to have lighter bottles, how to um, yeah, develop the association further and further in terms of uh, in terms of sustainability. Um, that actually sounds good. I, I, I had no idea that uh, you agreed that until 2025, everybody needs to be sustainable. That's a, yes. that's mm -hmm. a big one. Um, yeah, but it's not about the certification itself. Um, we don't want our members to have more and more and more certifications. I don't know if that's the, the right way. Uh, I mean, they were the eagle on the bottle should be enough in the future to show also it's not only top quality wine, it's also sustainable. Um, but um, it is more to um, yeah get it, to to develop yourself further and to get an idea and um, also um, yeah be on the newest information of what is happening and um, yeah I'm really happy that we got this um, decision and um, I think it's not the last thing that we decided in terms of sustainability. Okay. Um, another question that I have, and this this one might be a little pointy, but um, uh, some of the criticism that that um, that GGs in particular, in particular Riesling GGs, get is that often at a young age they're very austere, um, and and um, they of course age gracefully, but I I think for you know, our generation of people who are maybe just starting to collect and stuff, they don't have enough space. So I was wondering, what do you think about that? Um, have you heard this criticism before? And um, how do you, <laughs> how do you uh, uh, feel about it? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I uh, I always feel when, for example, when in Wiesbaden, we um, invite people from all over the world to taste the new vintage. Um, it is always that, especially Riesling, uh, at a really early stage um, might might be, yeah, how to say, not really, um, not only pretty young, but also sometimes harsh to, to taste. Yeah. Um, especially in vineyards when it uh, in vineyards in uh, years when it was uh, colder, like 21. Um, 
of course the acidity is pretty 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 high which makes it sometimes not easy to to taste them uh, at that early stage but it is a sneak preview so we assume that um the people there are pros and they can um yeah tell what age uh aging um processed rieslings um will gonna have and how pretty they will age and i think we both and all tasted old rieslings from colder vintages which are just beautiful right now uh, thinking of 13 14 10 we we just had uh, 10 castanium bush um yeah this year um and and it really showed me again that especially the cooler vintages have a beautiful freshness after 10 years and more and i mean the gts are not made for uh uh drinking them uh the next year after harvest and they're made for really yeah for putting them into the cellar and um taking them uh out 10 and decades years later so um i think riesling is um, just perfect for ripening and sometimes might be yeah pretty sometimes uh yeah, just um, not easy to to taste at that uh, early stage. Um, but that being said, so so a lot of producers that that I've noticed, um, especially this year and last year at the at the GG preview tasting, uh, you see that more and more producers are releasing their wines a little bit later. Um, do you think mm -hmm. that that's that this trend might take over and that that in the future, I don't know, in five ten years? most of the producers will release their their wines after maybe two years or something like this. Has there been any discussion about um, keeping them longer before release? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we discuss it all the time. <laughs> um, especially not only the release date, but also the tasting date when to show um, those wines. Because I think as a guest, it's nice to have this big overview of one whole vintage um, one yes. year after. That's cool. Um, also, um, I find it really interesting, for example, when you would pick out your notes from 2013 someday and then uh, see how, how the wines have developed. Um, so on the one hand, I think it's really cool to, to taste them uh, straight after harvest. Just no, to totally. get but that I'm, first I'm impression. More... But you mean when they hit the market and when right, they consumers. release it. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I think the trend will go more the way that they gonna be released later. Like for example, I mean the whole Rheingau region um brings them two years later, uh, after harvest, some wineries do. Um, and we also have wineries who release it, for example, five years after. Um, for example, Kupfergrube from uh, Gut Hermannsberg is released five years after. Yeah. Um, you can do that. I think the, the wines um, profit from it. But um, right now, uh, we don't want to make a rule about it. Uh, yeah, so let's see. <laughs> It's always an economical issue as well because yes, it it should be a decision for the winery also, I think. Um, but let's see how everything's gonna develop. Um, I don't know right now, um, but 
um, I think the wines would definitely um, yeah profit from it. Um, thank you. Another another um, surprise, let's say for me was uh, well not this year but last year when uh, uh, Kai Schatzel brought his wine, mm -hmm. which was a GG, which was unsulfured and went through completely through melolactic. Um, so this is this is new, and I know this year he didn't want to submit his sample to the GG preview. But uh, do you do you think that um, well, do you see actually? Do you know anybody else who's experimenting in a similar way, or is this unique only to to Schatzel? Um, I think it's not unique. I think uh, many estates um, are more maybe how to say experimental in that way, and um, I really like that it's not black and white or just one color. It's really colorful, and they're all different. So um, there are producers who produce classic. Uh, timeless wines i'd say and then there are producers who are a bit maybe more experimental and they incorporate other influences um in their wines and i always think that an association like us we should not be um, a corrector in style or something um because it's always the vineyard and the person producing producing the wine uh, the combination so um i I think we have to step in when it's not the right quality, but we don't have to step in when it comes to style or those questions that you were mentioning. And um, it's more often, to be honest, that we have problems um, that those wines, like Kai is doing it, like uh, Jochen Beurer, for example, uh, Odienstahl, uh, Schneidmann, I don't know, you name them. <laughs> um, uh, they have more the problem that they don't get the how do you say the um, the agreement to um, from the quality control so they are able to put the site name on it that's more a problem for us so the the correction I'd say is not um, happening within the association it's more um, that they're a bit limited maybe by the wine law in this place right um so I think um, it's great to have those interpretations of a site and of an origin. Um, yes, and uh, they're all included. <laughs> that's that's great. And um, on on that on that uh, wave, I'm I'm gonna ask you also. Like lately, I would say in the last five years, there's been so many natural wineries coming out of Germany. And this is, of course, mm -hmm. not connected to the VDP. So I'm, I'm sorry for a second. I'm going to ask you a question that's not related to your organization. But I don't know I, if it's not really completely not related. I... Well, not. I, I wouldn't say it's completely not related, but a lot mm -hmm. of the people that I'm referring to are not members of the association. So, mm -hmm. so but look, if you have no problem talking about it, even better for me. So I wanted to ask, <laughs> what do you think about the new wave? uh of, of these producers and and how do you how are they accepted in germany because in the us for example they're they uh you see them a lot like lately mm -hmm. I, you know when you go to restaurants you see a lot of natural german wines and natural austrian wines same here mm -hmm. same in in germany yeah yes i'd say it is the same um 
I, I really have the feeling that it it got more and more into bars and restaurants the last two, three, four years also in Germany, especially in Berlin, but also everywhere else, actually. <laughs> um, I think... Uh, I think it's really interesting and uh, exciting to follow this uh, development. And I also think that there always have been and always will be waves, and that's good, in in uh, in our wine world, uh, you could say. And um, yeah, it's. I even would say it, that we need um, also those waves because they... Um, they lead to further development in total. And um, I think it's really refreshing to see. And yeah, it's always a development. Um, so it belongs uh, also to German wine. And I think it's another, yeah, just another color edition in, in um, maybe that's what other countries or also people who are not, that deep involved uh, into wine um, can see and discover. Um, yeah, so I like what's happening right now. And um, how do you feel yes. about German German natural wine compared to some some <laughs> others, uh, like I don't know French or or Spanish? Do you feel well? I'll say what I how I I feel about yes. it. I, I often find German natural wines to be um, very precise and, uh, and a lot of times they don't have the flaws that uh you know natural wine gets criticism for a lot of times i i find the german natural wines to be super super focused most of the time and kind of ex different expressions um you know compared to the classical wines of the those same um sites maybe not the same sites but uh but you know similar terroirs you find in in some of the you know very renowned wineries um mm -hmm. do you agree or or do you <laughs> what are you I, I think i might not have the same um not horizon but you 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 were tasting or i guess at least you were tasting a lot of more uh uh wines from other countries and especially natural wines from other countries than i do but i for those I know, I can understand what you mean. And that's what I really like about them. I even would say that's um, I I prefer them. Uh, but I also prefer German. So, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> of course, they always have this precise and also maybe acidity freshness um, that really um, are, how to say, um, they they fit to those wines pretty well i'd say yeah. um yeah that's why i can at least um think of how uh or why they're that successful yeah and and you know what's very interesting also is i often find you know to go back to the to the vdp members um i i find some similarities i mean of course kai schatzel or or audience style we know that these guys are kind of doing this but like if you think of a of a you know a winery like Salvai, for example, mm -hmm. some of the like the Pinot Gris that that the that he makes, um, you know, I think if served blind to people who like natural wines, it would they would probably think, okay, this is natural. Um, Definitely, and you know what? Um, I was 
one week ago or two weeks ago, um, I was at an event where Konrad uh, showed his 2015 um, uh, Henkenberg. And it it's not that it's now pre completely different than 2015. Those ideas have been there 2015 already. That's what I mean with it's not, it is including trends, but it's not always following trends. You know what I mean? And I often compare it with the times, I don't know when it was many years ago, when they in Germany discovered more to work with uh, wooden barrels again and so on. The influence or the, the, uh, the influence was pretty high and, and they were experimenting as well. And sometimes the wooden wood maybe was a bit too, uh, too strong. And then they discovered how to work with it and how to include this new trends into winemaking to make it more soft and so on. That's what I also think is happening all the time. Yeah. Also with this natural style, I'd say. Um. Well, I was I was gonna I was gonna almost wrap it up and ask you a fun question, but but now uh, measuring the wooden barrels, you reminded me of Spätburgunder, uh, which mm -hmm. I feel lately Spätburgunder for those who don't know is Pinot Noir, uh, but I feel like lately Spätburgunder for German wineries, um, all not just VDP members, but really generally speaking, has become the red uh, Riesling, like the counterpart. Yeah. Of yes. Riesling. You, you feel the same way? Absolutely. And I think we're just at the beginning of it, really. And I'm not telling it because I'm working for the VDP or for German wine uh, in total, but I, I'd really say um, Pinot Noir, also because many, again, have refocused on it and um, the, the style gets even more precise and... Um, I, I really like what's happening right now. Also with sparkling wine, by the way. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of good things coming and exist already. Okay, well, <clears throat> next time that next time we do this, we'll talk more about uh, Spätburgunder and sparkling wine. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> uh, but but for now, the the last question I, I ask always at the end of every um, episode, my guest to recommend uh, a place that has really good wine and preferably also good food in the town or, or city where they live. Um, and you can choose what your city is because I, I think you live in Mainz, but but you're kind of all over I the do. place all the time. So, <laughs> and Yeah, as we are located in Mainz and as I live here, and I still miss those places, but there are one or two you could really mention. Um, I think the best address in Mainz to go to is uh, Laurens. Have you ever been? No, I have not. No, no. But you have heard I'm, of I'm it. I'm really so. asking for myself, you know. This is okay, a... okay. So, <laughs> no, Alex, <laughs> next time, when you come to Weinbörse, VDP Weinbörse next year, as we are celebrating 50 years of anniversary, by the way, okay. um, on 28th and 29th of April, um, it, there's also uh, that's also the the date when Laurens is just exploding because, because all the wine people are there. But um, they're having good food, and as they also sell wine, um, so they have a wine trade. Um, the wine list um, is really really nice, uh, not only from what it is uh, what it has on, but also 
price-wise, um, it's a really good recommendation. Um, so you can try and taste many, many interesting wines. They have a, uh, especially for you, they have a nice mixture, mixture out of everything we've been talking about the last uh, 30 minutes. And they have great food. Um, so have that's definitely... Yes, they have. Okay. They also have, they, they even have wines that went through the auction. Um, they have credit card wines. They have, um, yeah, newcomers, um, classics, everything. That is awesome. I will definitely put it in my Google Maps now with, uh, with a little yes. star. Um, thank you so much, Teresa, for joining and for taking the time. Um, thank you. That, as I said, next time we'll we'll dive in deeper, a little more complex. But uh, I think this was a good intro to who you are, VDP, and German wine in general. Yeah, thank you. See you soon. Thank you. And this was Teresa Alkus, everyone. Thank you for joining and listening to this episode. This will also be the last episode of the Witters podcast, at least in this format. Please stay tuned for what is coming next for me and Witters Co. as well. And thank you again for listening and have a great day.